She was supposed to keep the secret tucked away. But still, the teen was curious. So she turned to the internet. Alexis found an image of a flyer from 1998 with her likeness as a newborn and that of her abductor mother, Gloria Williams. She took a screenshot and stored it in her phone. And she kept digging. Who was this woman who gave birth to me, she wondered. Alexis found a phone number for Shannara Mobley. She pecked at the phone. The call connected. Hello, answered a woman with a Jacksonville number. Alexis hung up. That conversation wouldn't pick up until January 2017, when police from Jacksonville, Florida, started nosing around after getting two tips that a girl in Walterboro, South Carolina, who went by the name Alexis Kelly Manigo, was actually Kamaya Mobley, the baby stolen from a Florida hospital in 1998. Gloria was arrested. The secret was out. And Shannara Mobley and Craig Aiken, Alexis's real parents, were driving 200 miles up Interstate 95 to Walterboro to meet her. What would Alexis say? Would she tell them that she had known for a couple of years that she was kidnapped and did nothing? Would she tell Shannara that she called her and hung up after finding her phone number a long time ago? Would that upset Shannara? What would they think of her, expect of her? What was she supposed to do now? Then Craig walked into the room at the Walterboro Police Station on January 14, 2017, the day after he found out his daughter was alive. And Alexis did a double take. The resemblance was strong. Neither could believe it. Shannara, who had only spent a few hours with her daughter after her birth on July 10, 1998, had spent 18 years wondering if her daughter had long, pretty hair and the same eyelashes as she did. Finally, she saw for herself that she did. The three of them met at the police station that day, away from the cameras and the microphones held by journalists standing outside Alexis's home, church, or other places in Walterboro. Within hours of Gloria's arrest, journalists had descended on this small community. They came from Jacksonville and different parts of the Carolinas, even from California, all to share the story of Kamaya Mobley meeting her birth parents for the first time. To share a story of a father never losing hope. Or that of a mother, so devastated at the loss of her child, who now was finally going to get everything she had dreamed about, her daughter back, a stable life, respect that she never had. At that very moment, there was such promise, so much hope after the lies and betrayal. Their family reunion at the police station that Saturday lasted 45 minutes. During that time, Craig told his daughter that he'd never stop believing that one day he'd find his child. He told her that he loved her. At one point, when things felt comfortable, Alexis stepped between Shannara and Craig. They took a selfie. Craig wrapped his right arm behind his daughter. Shannara reared her head up against her daughter's head. All three were smiling, so big, so joyful. And right there, right at that moment, in little Walterboro, South Carolina, it happened. 
a family photo, 18 and a half years in the making, was taken. Their very first one. They all look so happy. The photo was shared on Facebook. It went viral. Jacksonville needed a good story. The nation needed a good story. Kamaya was alive. And mother, father, and daughter were united at last. Everything was great. And then it wasn't. Not great at all. From the Florida Times Union, this is Have You Seen Kamaya? I'm Eileen Kelly, an investigative reporter for the Times Union and Jacksonville.com. I've been telling you the story of Kamaya Mobley, the newborn baby kidnapped from a Jacksonville hospital on July 10th, 1998. If you're joining us for the first time, I recommend you go back and listen to our previous episodes in order. We'll see you soon. Episode 6, The Reunion The door to the police station opened. When they stepped out, a crowd of reporters and television trucks awaited them, just like in 1998 when Kamaya was stolen. Back then, in those first months after Kamaya was kidnapped, Craig told the media the cops were harassing his family and Shannara's instead of searching for baby Kamaya. That was before he was arrested for impregnating 15-year-old Shannara when he was 22. But now, in 2017, Craig was all smiles when he saw the press. His daughter had been found. First meeting was beautiful. It was wonderful. It couldn't wait no better. Craig Aiken, for the first time today, met the daughter he lost 18 years ago. Can't explain this. You know what I'm saying? It's hard to put it in words right now. It's hard to, to deal with this here right now. You know what I'm saying? We just, like I said, we're trying to process it. It's been 18 years. You know, it's, it's going it's to be hard to make that up. Craig went on to say he didn't know exactly what was in store for the family. They would work on getting his daughter down to Jacksonville. Back in Florida, she had 13 brothers and sisters from both sides of the family, who for years had heard they had a sister named Kamaya. Craig wanted them all to meet soon. As Craig was leaving in his car, a woman believed to be Alexis raced from another door at the Walterboro Police Station with an orange sweater covering her head. Television cameramen scurried to the other side of the parking lot, trying to get near her as she got into a different car. Get back, police demanded. The cars sped off. Craig and Shannara who had a very short-lived relationship when Shannara got pregnant, drove the 200-mile trip back home to Jacksonville. They'd have to figure out how to blend their daughter into their individual families, how to help her get through everything that was unfolding. The story wasn't over, though. It was just beginning for the media. Journalists wanted to find out everything they could about Kamaya and her life with Gloria. It only took a few days for ABC News to track down Charles Manigo. He was Gloria's old boyfriend back at the time she miscarried. She had told him Alexis was his child. But Gloria had also said he was abusive to her, 
so she eventually left him and raised Alexis for years on her own. Now on national television, Charles cried when he talked to a reporter. He said he felt betrayed into believing Alexis was his daughter. He said he was a good dad and still wanted to be a father figure. Alexis, however, would have none of that. She wanted to set the record straight. Liar, she shot back on her Facebook page. All he did was lie. He did nothing, she wrote on her page, a page journalists and strangers suddenly took an intense interest in, hoping to get insight into the life of the girl kidnapped at birth. Before all that, when the kidnapping was still a secret, Alexis's Facebook page had been filled with selfies with Alexis and Gloria. But now, now that everything had changed, it was starting to fill with rants and raves, as well as encouragement from strangers. My mother raised me with everything I needed, and most of all, everything I wanted, Alexis wrote of her abductor on Facebook. My mom is no felon. Strangers reached out to Alexis. So glad you have been found. My oldest son was born here, in Jacksonville, around the same time as you. And it was so scary to know you had been taken. My heart broke for your mom, seeing her so distraught. I don't think any mother living here will ever forget that, wrote a stranger on Alexis's Facebook page. Another offered to throw her a welcome home party, Duval County style. And another cautioned her, Alexis, please stay off social media and don't allow people to get to you. Just leave it in God's hands. In another interview, five days after her story first made news, Alexis appeared on ABC's Good Morning America and said the attention, this sudden burst of fame, was very overwhelming. But Alexis, that's the name she continued to go by, said she was willing to give her Florida family a chance. She wanted to get to know them. This familiarity, the stardom, none of it helped Alexis do what she wanted to do. She wanted to get on with her life, to do normal things, to see Gloria. Instead, she was 18 and unemployable because she still didn't have a valid social security number and other necessary documents to get a job. It was the lack of those official documents that started the unraveling of Gloria's lies. Alexis had wanted a job when she was 16, but she needed those documents. It was that conversation that finally led Gloria to telling her the truth. Now, two years later, Alexis still did not have the documents. And that meant she couldn't see Gloria, the only mother she had ever known. That's because jail officials required a valid ID for her to go visit in jail. A few days after her arrest, Gloria was transferred from the small jail in Walterboro to a much larger one in Jacksonville, one with a capacity of more than 2,000 inmates, located on the banks of the St. Johns River. It had been a long time since her last trip to Jacksonville on that fateful day in July 1998. And now she was stuck. A judge ordered Gloria held without bond 
she was deemed too big of a flight risk. In 1999, Florida laws changed with a heavy get-tough-on-crime push. Had the kidnapping happened, say, a decade earlier, and the discovery of the child made before the tough-on-crime change in Florida, Gloria would have faced just a few years behind bars. She probably would have pled out and hoped for forgiveness or leniency. But it was a different game in 2017. She faced life in prison. With no ID and no chance of seeing Gloria in person, Alexis was limited to communicating with Gloria by phone, which they did almost daily, and by letter, which they did often. Good morning, baby girl. I pray this letter finds you in the best of spirits, Gloria began in her February 27, 2017 letter to Alexis. I love you with all my heart, and I miss you so much. I don't cry as much anymore, so I'm dealing with it better. From jail, Gloria still kept on Alexis like a mother would. Hello, my sweet baby girl, she began another letter. In it, Gloria thanked Alexis for ordering books for her. She told her she was proud of the young lady that she had become. She told Alexis that once she got her documents, she wanted her to enroll in college. Then she can get a job and make good money. I just want you to know you will always be my daughter and baby girl, Gloria wrote. Stay in prayer, she tells her. Well, that's it for me. I love you always. Love, Mom. Dear Mama, Sorry it took so long for me to write back, Alexis began in her letter. She said she was busy, but that her feelings for Gloria hadn't changed. I still miss you, she wrote. I don't cry as much, but it still kills me. I just can't stand you being away from me. I got too many things going on. So much pressure. It's overwhelming. This thing has changed me more than what people think, she wrote. It's worse than losing a parent. Simply because you're here. But I can't touch you, talk to you face to face. I admit, I'm lost. I'm stuck. And I don't even know how to move forward. Sometimes it doesn't even feel real. Sometimes my days go by and, well... It feels like I wasn't even there, like I'm a spirit. I'm scared, Ma. Scared for you. Scared for life. I'm scared of the next day, just because it might bring more bad news. Alexis told Gloria that it seemed like everyone in Walterboro seemed to have an opinion about her life now. Everyone stares at her, she said. I just need you to come home. I just need a hug. That's it. Just something. I just miss you so much, and it kills me that I can't even see you. I just want everything to go back to normal. I want you home. I need you home. Yeah, I have a mom out here, but I need my mother. 
someone who knows me. I need you. She told Gloria that she stands behind her 100%. That will never change, she wrote. You are my mother, and I love you. If I didn't love you with all my heart before, I love you with my heart, soul, and body now. Love always, she wrote at the end. And then she signed the letter with the name Gloria gave her after kidnapping her, Alexis Kelly Manigo. The letters kept coming in and out of jail. All the while, as Alexis was pouring her heart out to Gloria, Craig and Shannara were trying to get to know their daughter. Early on, Shannara sent Carl Harms, a victim specialist with the state attorney's office, a photo of herself with her daughter. The message read, God is good. She told him that her daughter was calling her mama now. Shannara was happy, Carl told me later. How could she not be? All those years ago, her daughter was supposed to rescue her, a girl herself, from the horror of her young life when she got pregnant at 15. But now, Kamaya was home. Shannara was happy. But it didn't last. A few months after reuniting with her daughter, Shannara was looking forward to her first Mother's Day with Kamaya, but nothing. No card, no call, no text. Then she learned the girl she called Kamaya did send two Mother's Day cards to Gloria, who was still in jail. This was not the mother-daughter relationship Shannara envisioned, what she had dreamed about for close to 19 years. So I asked her about it. When did you realize that your relationship with Kamayo was not what you had dreamed it was going to be? When you have kids, you know your children. You know they're going to have some part of you in them. She said she knew they were headed down a troubled path within the first few months. When I first met Kamaya, I thought, okay, oh, because, you know, she teach me things, I teach her things. I'm like, oh, I got this teenage daughter, but Shani does the same thing. And, um, and I'm like, okay, I could do this. We're going to be all right. You know, we, and when I first met her, she's like, oh, you, oh, you cool. You make it so easy for me, you know, because I am a cool mom. I get on you when I got to get on you, but other than that, I'm cool. I'm not trying to be your friend, but I'm cool. I don't want you to feel like you don't, can't come talk to me. But they weren't okay. It wasn't even close to okay. It was much worse. Alexis was willing to answer to the name Kamaya if Shinar or Craig or her brothers and sisters wanted to call her that. But she refused to stop calling Gloria mom. She also wasn't going to stop loving Gloria or the other members of her Walterboro family. Shinara just couldn't wrap her head around this. The way she saw it, Gloria was a thief. Gloria robbed Shinar of her dream. She robbed her of her purpose. She robbed her of her Kamaya. Shannara desperately wanted to feel the love of her daughter, but the love wasn't there, Shannara would later tell me. Shannara felt that Kamaya did love Craig, but not her. What did I gain? Nothing. They did not speak once the entire month of June in 2017 
after Shannara confronted her daughter about sending Gloria two cards, but none to her. But her daughter reached out to her in July. I heard from the first week in July. Oh, mama, I'm coming there. What y'all doing for me for my birthday? I say I ain't doing nothing for no birthday. Nobody did nothing for no Mother's Day. On July 10th, 2017, Kamaya turned 19. And for the first birthday since her birth, Shannara knew her daughter was alive. Year after year, for 18 years, Shannara would celebrate Kamaya's birthday with a birthday cake, cutting a piece for herself and cutting a second piece for Kamaya. She'd place Kamaya's piece in the freezer just in case her baby was found and brought back to her. But that tradition ended in 2017. There would be no cake, no celebration of Kamaya's birth. Well, at least not by Shannara. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Lexi. May God bless you. <laughs> I love you. How are you doing? That's Gloria calling Alexis to wish her a happy birthday from jail. So how was it that Craig and his daughter figured out how to have a relationship? Craig traveled frequently to Walterboro to pick her up. I interviewed him over the phone on one of those trips. It's like she never left me, he told me. It's like everything fell into place. We just get along so easily. I guess it's going along as it's meant to be, he said. Craig offered a rare glimpse into the new world his long-lost daughter was living in. I just want people to know that she is normal, that she wants normal things that normal people want. She wants to be treated like other people, he said. And, like any other young adult, she just wanted to be able to make her own decisions. And so, her decision was to talk about Gloria when she wanted to. Her decision was to have a relationship with Gloria. And she didn't keep that from her father. Craig did not put up a fuss. He told me he would just listen to his daughter. Sure, it hurt, he said. But he was determined to get past it. We are stronger than that. We cannot let this defeat us, he told me as he drove to Walterboro late in 2017 as Christmas neared. We are not going to let this be a sad story, he vowed. So that meant letting his daughter talk as much as she wanted to about Gloria. He saw her struggle but he never let on that he was struggling too. When you have a kid, you cannot worry about your own feelings, he said. As for getting things off his own chest, forget it. Me telling her how much I hate this lady, he said of Gloria, isn't going to help. And so he kept quiet. He listened. He enjoyed the company of his daughter.
A few weeks later, in January 2018, Alexis gave a rare local media interview with Times Union news partner, First Coast News, for the anniversary of the discovery that she was alive and well. Under the spotlight, Alexis did her best to say everything was okay. A teen who lost one mom to jail and only somewhat gained another, Shannara, as well as a stepmom, Craig's wife, Shannon, tried to find humor in having three moms and two names. So tell me about having three moms. Now, who can say that? You have so much love. I actually make jokes about that. Like, everybody be like, how's your mom doing? I'd be like, which one? <laughs> and they love it. <laughs> You're so, so who, tell me the names. Who do you call what? Um, well, you got Miss Shannon. That's mom. You got um, my birth mother. That's mom. Then you got Gloria. That's mom. Like, it's like three of them. <laughs> and you call everyone mom or? Yeah, it's like mom, mom, mother. Everybody, everybody, they, they all respond. Everybody responds, so I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> she tried to keep upbeat. What I've been through is hard, but not hard enough for me to, you know, be sad all the rest of my days. And what I'm, my future is only going to get better. That's, all, that's it. Alexis really wanted the world to believe she was okay. When really, what she was going through was anything but okay. Because everybody always asks me, how you handling stuff? Because everybody always asks me that. Like, to be honest, I've dealt with it probably uh, better than what people think. By February... Thirteen months after her arrest, Gloria and her attorney made a move. The state was offering to drop a potential life sentence if Gloria changed her plea of not guilty to guilty. Gloria accepted. The deal included a maximum prison sentence of 22 years, minus the time she had already spent locked up in jail. That would be determined by Circuit Judge Marianne Aho after sentencing hearings in May 2018. Alexis was hoping for the best. Um, you know, of course I'm not going to say, you know, throw her in jail and throw away the key or, you know, throw her into the jail. Like, of course I don't want to see so many years, but I understand a crime was done, you know. So I understand some punishment has to be rendered. That's Alexis talking to Keitha Nelson from First Coast News. Sentencing hearings are kind of like a mini-trial. There would be no jury, though, because guilt had already been established. But there would be witnesses. Would Alexis testify and then be cross-examined? She had every right to. Two days were set aside for the hearing. The case drew considerable attention from the media, including journalists from local and national news outlets, as well as television producers. Inside the courtroom, Nearly two dozen of us were seated in designated areas assigned to the media. The hearings began on the morning of May 3, 2018. Shannara Mobley was called to the witness stand. She looked into the eyes of her child's abductor, the woman Shannara had not seen since July 10, 1998, when a woman, dressed in scrubs, walked into room 328 at University Medical Center and walked out five hours later, with Shannara's baby. 
People expected her to lose her cool. There were so many things she'd love to say, to do, but she held her composure as best as she could. Shannara told the judge about the nightmare she suffered as a teen after her daughter was kidnapped. She told the judge about the self-medicating. She told the judge she didn't want to live at the time of the abduction and how people would not leave her side for fear she'd kill herself. Alan Mizrahi, an assistant state attorney handling the case for the state, asked Shannara if time healed her wounds. No, she said. Did time heal these wounds? No. Did you feel better? It, it doesn't heal now. I'm still hurting. And then she directed her attention to Gloria and her daughter. When you just, you reaching out to my child, that is my child. I am your mother, Kamaya. I am your mother. The attorney asked Shannara if she felt if Gloria still had a hold on her life, on her child. Yes, she said. Shannara explained how she missed her daughter's first walk, her first word, her first prom, and graduation. These were all the things Gloria got to be part of, not Shannara. Carl Harms, the victim's advocate, was there in the courtroom for Shannara and the rest of the family. It was extremely difficult. Um, she had to sit there and listen to uh, all of the, listen to how Kamaya's pivotal, you know, Kamaya's important moments in her life that she was robbed of, that Gloria got, and Kamaya experienced with another family. Such as um, her her dance recitals, her graduation. Her dance recitals, her second grade pictures, her third grade pictures, her graduation from elementary, all the different things that were shared that any parent looks forward to, she, she was, it was taken from her. The prosecutor asked Shannara what sentence she thought was fitting. Death, she said. It's only one sentence and I don't think she's open up for that. I would say death. But obviously that's not appropriate for this case, so do you recommend the maximum sentence that the court can give? Oh, of course. My eyes turned towards Alexis, sitting in the rear of the courtroom. I couldn't help but wonder how much that must have stung. She loved the woman who raised her. And now, her real mom wanted Gloria dead. What would this do to the relationship, I wondered. Shannara continued on the witness stand. If death was not possible, then perhaps the judge could keep Gloria away some way else. Because I need her away from my child. I wish she could do a no contact order too. Because if I got, if I, if me and my child relationship could get along, I need her away, a far away where she cannot contact my baby. Well, my baby can't even get to her. No more was said about that. Craig was called to the witness stand. He wanted to read a statement. My name is Craig Higgins. I am the father of Kamaya Moses, her real father. I know you don't, I know the defendant doesn't know me and I definitely doesn't know her. It was 1998, almost 20 years ago. That seemed like a long time for some people, but I remember it like it was yesterday. And I still feel like it was yesterday. I know she remembered because it was also the day she kidnapped my, my daughter. And ever since that day, she had destroyed many 
many lives for her own self-esteem. Sometimes I wonder who she was, what she looked like, or what she was thinking, or what she was feeling as she told my mother that she was taking a baby to get her temper changed, get her temperature checked. I wonder how she was feeling as she manipulated a 16-year-old child out of her baby. That day that she took Kamaya, she destroyed me and Shannara's lives, changed and altered plans that Destiny had for us. Craig went on to explain how it felt to be treated like a suspect by the police for a community to think that maybe he had something to do with it. And now that the country knows it was Gloria, and Gloria alone, he doesn't understand why she still has a stranglehold over his daughter. She still doesn't understand that Kamaya's, that she's not Kamaya's mother. And once Kamaya realized how she used her for this trial, she wouldn't have, she wouldn't have to worry how mad I am because what she has pumping through Kamaya is lies. What I have pumping through Kamaya is blood. Craig told the judge he thought Gloria should get the harshest sentence possible. There, he spoke his mind. He got things off his chest, like he said he wouldn't, in front of his daughter, still sitting in the rear of the courtroom. I turned around again. Alexis looked crushed. For a girl with so much family, she now looked painfully alone. Inside the courtroom, Gloria's South Carolina family and friends filled up most of the rows of seats on one side of the center aisle during the two-day proceeding. And on the other side, Shannara, Craig, and Velma sat in the front rows, closest to the judge and the attorney fighting to send Gloria away for a long time. Alexis, though, she sat in the rear of the courtroom, away from everyone, an intentional decision so that she would not have to pick sides. The following day, on May 4th, Gloria walked to the front of the courtroom and took a seat on the witness stand. She talked about her life. She talked about caring for the child she stole. Then she spoke directly to Shannara and Craig. Miss Mobley, Mr. Aiken, I've wanted to apologize to you when you were in South Carolina. I pray every day, every day, for the good Lord to renew your hearts, renew your minds, and to heal your hearts, and to give you the peace and joy that comes from knowing his word. I don't, I can't explain where I was back then, 20 years ago. I know I wronged you and I'm so sorry in so many days, so many days, so many days, so many days. I just wanted to pick that child up and say, come on, let's get in this car and go. I just couldn't. I couldn't. I never, when I left Jacksonville, I didn't look back. I didn't know what you went through. I could only imagine what you went through. 
I can only imagine that I never in my life, never in my life meant to hurt you, meant to hurt either one of you. God knows I did, and God knows my heart, but I did hurt you, and for that I'm so sorry. And I know I can't give you back the 18 years. I know that. If I could, I would. If I could give you a new heart, Ms. Mobley, I would. If I can give you a new heart, Mr. Aiken, I would. But I can't do that. I don't have the, the power or the authority to do it. I know you hate me right now. And I know you've heard what people said about me. But I've done something wrong. And this is probably the only thing I've ever done wrong. And I hope one day, I hope one day that you could ever find it in your heart to forgive me for what I've done to y'all. And then... Gloria drew her attention to the rear of the courtroom, where the young woman that she had abducted and renamed Alexis was sitting. Gloria then called this young woman by her given name, Kamaya. As for Kamaya, I never meant to hurt you. I never meant to hurt you. I just love that child so, and I never meant to hurt you. I never meant to cause you any harm, any pain, any of that. And I'm sorry, and I hope you can find it in your heart to forgive me. I tried to love you the best way I could, the only way I could. I tried to nurture you take away what I took from you. Nothing could replace that. I will always love you. Always. And the joy that you brought me, I thank God the world can't take it away from me. That you're not mine. Your mother and father sitting right here. The hearing ended, and the judge would need some time, about a month to decide on a sentence. Everyone filed out of the courtroom, making their way through the building, and then outside to a wide set of stairs leading to a grassy knoll. Alexis was standing there all by herself. I'm fine, she said when I looked at her apparently with a concerned expression. I really like your sunglasses, she said. So I gave them to her. You've lost a lot. Take these and take care of your heart, I told her. Nine days later, Mother's Day rolled around again. 
Would this year be any different than last year for Shannara and her daughter? No. No card, no phone call, not even a text message. A few weeks later, on June 8th, the judge was ready to impose sentencing for Gloria. Shannara came back to court. So did Velma and Craig. Alexis, though, did not. The judge told the crowded courtroom there would be no winner on this day. There are no winners and no losers in this case. This is a very sad case, and many people have suffered, including Ms. Williams, as a result of her choices on the day of the crime. At this time, this court will proceed to imposition of sentence. Gloria rose from her seat. Those sitting in the courtroom leaned forward, not wanting to miss a word. The defendant is adjudicated guilty of kidnapping the first-degree felony under Florida law, punishable by life. The sentence is she will serve 18 years in the Florida State Prison. She is awarded credit for time served, which is 511 days. And that credit counsel was from the day after the arrest warrant was signed, and I believe the state, you have no objection to that number, do you? 511 days are awarded as credit. On count two, the defendant's adjudicated guilty of the third-degree felony of interference with custody. The sentence is the defendant will serve five years in the Florida State Prison with 511 days of credit. The family in this case suffered not knowing what had happened to their child for approximately 18 years. It's a very sad day. I appreciate all the hard work of the attorneys. Because Florida inmates typically serve 85% of their sentences, Gloria could get out in 14 years. If that's the case, she'll be 66. Alexis's attorney, Justin Bamberg, a member of the South Carolina House of Representatives, came in place of Alexis. He told us she was able to get a job after she got her birth certificate and Social Security card the documents she pestered Gloria about when she was 16, the documents that eventually led Gloria to reveal her secret to Alexis. Those and other official records list her given name, Kamaya Mobley. But the name tag she wears at her job reads Alexis. Justin said she's holding up better than expected. But was she really? Since the sentencing hearing in May, Alexis stopped going to counseling and she started withdrawing from her relationship with her father. As for her relationship with her mother, Shannara and her daughter were not speaking months later. She's still having a, she's still having a tough time, and I stay in contact with her. I mean, like I said, the case, just because the judicial case is over, does not mean that her case is not over. Her case is ongoing. Her case is going to be a lifelong story that she's going to have to go with. That's Carl again, the victim's advocate. The sentencing hearing was tough for Shannara, he said. He has tried to tell her to have patience with her daughter, but he also understands deeply that she waited 18 and a half years to learn her daughter was alive, only to realize her daughter loves the woman who abducted her. Likewise, Carl understands what Alexis is going through. You can't, you can't take away the love. Her love for that family doesn't make it wrong. It's, it's not wrong of her to love them. They treated her good. You know, anybody, if you look back on your childhood and your family, can you imagine, can you imagine waking up one day and finding out that your whole entire life has been a lie? 
I sat down with Shannara in mid-June, just before Kamaya's 20th birthday. Shannara is still very much the same broken woman today that she was 20 years ago, when at age 16, her baby was stolen from her. Her happily ever after didn't happen with her daughter. For Shannara, the dream of her long-lost daughter returning to her, running to her, embracing her, it didn't happen. It was just a dream. The storybook ending of One Big Happy Family? It didn't happen. It was just fiction. So, no, no, I didn't win. Gloria won. Kamaya still winning. Craig don't care. I mean, he didn't have her. He could, I, like I told you, why are you content with her being kidnapped? Because it's, I had her. I cared her. I came home cut. Scratch moths, bleeding, breasts hanging down in my stomach and nothing to show for it. So I'm, I still lost. It's no winning situation. I don't have a relationship with my child. Right now, speaking at this moment. So I still lost. So what did I gain? Nothing. And honestly, I wish sometimes she would have never came back. That I do wish. Because it takes a toll. Because I'm a mother first. And it takes a toll on my other children. My daughter's going to the 10th grade. Well, she has to argue with people to defend her mother. She's on Facebook defending. My kid, my other babies, they are babies. They shouldn't have to go out there in that world and experience that stuff. That shouldn't have to be their life. And this is what Gloria Ekamaya brought upon my children. Shannara knows her words sound harsh, but she is deeply hurt and, quite frankly, tired of being hurt. Her nightmare that began on July 10th, 1998, at a Jacksonville hospital, has not ended. And I truly, really feel demand. I just wish she wouldn't have never came back. I really do. Because you came back. This woman made a mockery of my life when she took my baby. And not only did you make a mockery when you brought my baby back, but you let her help you make a mockery of my life. Shanara's blocked her daughter from contacting her on the cell phone. On July 8th of this year, two days before she turned 20, Alexis took to Facebook. The young woman who grew up in the tiny towns in the low country of South Carolina is approaching 5,000 Facebook friends about the population of Walterboro. Just talk to my daddy, she wrote, adding six hearts and two fingers crossed emojis. 227 people commented. Alexis, please fix your relationship with Miss Mobley. That woman is hurting so bad, someone, likely a stranger, wrote. On July 10th, for the second year in a row, Shannara refused to slice a piece of cake and celebrate her daughter's 20th birthday. And no, I'm not celebrating Kamaya's 20th birthday. This is the second Mother's Day. I didn't get a text. I didn't get a call. I didn't get a card. Nothing. So no, I'm not celebrating her 20th birthday. But what I am waiting on is September the 25th when my baby turned nine. What I am waiting on is when my when Johnny getting ready for her sweet 16th birthday. That's what I am waiting on because they, them kids up there love me. They love me and nobody can't take that from me. She said she doesn't know how much longer she's willing to give her daughter. Her heart, she said, cannot handle all of the pain. Because I have to do things that I can't hurt no more. If you want to be a lesson, be a lesson. You want to be glory child, be glory child. I can't keep fighting. This is a battle that nobody's not going to win.
Yes, there are no winners. No winners in this story. A story of lies, betrayal, promises, and hope. investigative reporter Eileen Kelly. Thank you for listening to Have You Seen Kamaya, a podcast produced by the Florida Times Union. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. If so, we encourage you to share it with your friends and rate us on Apple Podcast. For previous episodes or for more information on this story, visit jacksonville.com forward slash Kamaya. That's jacksonville.com forward slash Kamaya, K-A-M-I-Y-A-H. There you'll find photos, videos, and the original case documents. You can also find Have You Seen Kamaya on Apple Podcast or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. Research for this story came in part from official records from the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office the State Attorney's Office of the Fourth Judicial Circuit of Florida, Court Records, Times Union Archives, First Coast News, and WJXT News for Jacks. During the production of this podcast, we reached out to Alexis Manigo, Craig Aiken, and the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office for additional comments. None responded or accepted our request to participate in this podcast. This podcast is edited by Times Union editor Mary Kelly Polka. It is produced by digital director Gary Mills. Have You Seen Kamaya is made possible with support from advertisers and subscribers to the Florida Times Union and Jacksonville.com. Learn more about how you can support our journalism at Jacksonville.com forward slash subscribe now. Thank you for joining us.